You know, I love this church because, you know, uh, part, part of the, the main vision of this church is that we want to not just reach people who uh, are close to God or who love church, but people that are not close to Him, people that, like, are done with church. Uh, we, we want to reach those people, and that's one of the, why, like, this, this series is so important. Um, you know, we, we believe, we firmly believe that God has a plan for each and every person. And then, and then that plan is for them to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. And we actually form our entire uh, church around these four things. Uh, knowing God, Sunday mornings is our main avenue where we want people to gain a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, finding freedom, we use small groups for people to get around other people, to, to find freedom through relationships. Uh, discover purpose. We do something called growth track. And that's where you come and you, you know, we basically have lunch provided, child care provided, and you get to show up and you get to see, okay, how has God created me to make a difference in this world? Discover your purpose. The last thing is to make a difference, and that's why getting on our dream team, serving. And so uh, growth track is, is our number three, is our, our how people uh, discover their purpose. And so today, what's really cool is that we are going, we've switched up our growth track zone. And our step three is all about leadership. And it's awesome. And Josiah came to the staff and was like, hey, they switched it up a little bit. Watch this video that Church of the Highlands did on step three. And I watched it. I was like, man, I want our entire church to know this. A lot of you guys have been through growth track, um, but you haven't been through this class. So this is extremely important. The awesome thing is if you have not been through growth track, this will count as step three. So make sure that you put your information on the Connect card and drop it in and write something on there like Growth Track because we will count that as your step three. And then you can come to step four after service and you'll knock out two of the four of the Growth Track in one day. It's like record pace. Yeah, exactly. So if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Um, but we're talking about leadership today. Um, uh, Jeff Clark and Cynthia Clark one time had me and my wife and, and my parents and some of my friends over to play this game called Telestrations. Has anybody ever played that game before, Telestrations? Wow, nobody. Um, so it is a game where basically I'll have something on my, my card, like let's say the, the word is um, automobile, and I'll have to draw an automobile. I have a minute, and then I'll flip the, basically flip the card, pass it to the next person, and they have to look at my picture, and then they write what they think it is, you know? And so uh, on the card, it'll have different things, but one of them, you can choose what you want to draw. So I don't know why, but I chose Ronald McDonald, and I just thought this would be a fun one. So I write Ronald McDonald, and, um, and I draw a great Ronald McDonald. It was awesome, okay? I'm not a great artist, but this is one of my best works. Um, and so I draw Ronald McDonald, pass it. The next person puts Ronald McDonald, pass it to my friend Ryan. Now, he is not a great uh, artist at all, um, and so he drew this, this picture, and then he passed it on to the next guy, and it was Jeff. And so Jeff Clark literally, like, threw his back out laughing at this picture because it was so ridiculous. Like, he just looked at it, he's like, what the heck is this? And we actually have a picture of that drawing. That was supposed to be, that was supposed to be Ronald McDonald right there, um, and so Jeff Clark wrote Pokemon. I don't know why. <laughs> he wrote Pokemon and then passed on to the next person. Um, the reason I tell you this story is that when it comes to leadership, a lot of times we have been passed a picture 
that is not a very good picture of leadership. A lot of you have had parents in your life. Uh, maybe some of them haven't even like, didn't even uh, give you any sort of time or affection or leadership. Some of you guys have had teachers in your life or coaches or uh, bosses who have not showed a very good picture of leadership. And that's been passed down to you and you think, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? So what I want to do today is, is one, to convince you that you are a leader. We're going to talk about the definition of leadership. Then we're going to talk about what stands in the way between you and truly being the leader that you want to be. And then we're going to talk about the four qualities of a leader. If you were to embrace these qualities, man, you could make a difference in this world. So we're going to talk about leadership. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Um, so, you know, leadership, sometimes we, we wrestle with the definition of leadership. Uh, yesterday, actually, Amber and I, we, we got into like, it wasn't like a fight, but it was like a, you're wrong, no, I'm, I'm right, like kind of thing. And so it was, I have this hoodie, and it, it zips up in the middle. It's an Under Armour hoodie. I wear it almost every single day. It's disgusting. But I have this hoodie, and it zips up in the middle. And Amber yesterday called it a jacket. And I was like, no, my sweatshirt. She's like, no, that's a jacket. I was like, no, it's a sweatshirt. It's, it's got like fleece in the middle. And she was like, no, if it has a zipper up the middle, that is a jacket. If it, if it doesn't, then it's, then it's a sweatshirt. And so I was like, I got to Google this because I know that 99% of people are going to agree with me. And you know when you Google something and you don't get the results you want, it's like, it's not really saying anything, so I don't know. Like, on Reddit, basically, it was this huge deal. Like, a lot of people have this, this discussion, this tension in their lives. They were wondering, some were like, yeah, absolutely. If it zips out the middle, it's a jacket. And the other were like, no, it's a sweatshirt. Who here would say that it's a jacket? Who says it's a jacket? Who says it's a sweatshirt? Gosh, man. Like, 50-50, crazy. And so, you know, there is this tension of what what the definition is. With leadership, we have this tension. What is leadership? Because what a lot of people will tell you is leadership is something you're born with. Like you either have it or you don't, okay? And they'll say if you are outspoken, if you're confident, if you're skilled, then you are a leader. But some people aren't. It's like an in or outy belly button. Like you either got it or you don't, all right? And so that's one definition of leadership. But I don't think that's what leadership is. Leadership is simply influence. Leadership is influence. Basically, if you, in your life, have a circle of influence of people that you can make a difference in their lives, that's leadership. You know, unfortunately, if you believe this other form of leadership, like either you're born with it or you don't, and let's say you're not a great public speaker, let's say you're not super confident, well, let's say you're not naturally skilled in a lot of different areas. You'll think, oh, I'll leave the leadership to other people. I'll just simply kind of live my life just, just being extremely average, not really doing anything with my life. But that's not leadership. Leadership is simply influence. And I want to tell you today that you are a leader. You have people in your life that you can impact, that you can make a difference in their lives. You know, parents, you are leaders of your children. You have influence of them. Everybody here has friends that you have influence of, coworkers, students that you see at your schools. 
You are a leader. God has put leadership inside of you. You may not realize it. You may question it, but I promise you that God can use you to make a difference in this world. I want you to believe, believe that, that God has put that inside of you. So leadership is simply influence. You know, something that's amazing about the Bible is that when you go through the Bible, a lot of times what you would think is that God would take these perfect, polished people that are just amazing at everything and he would use them to, to spread his word. But, but what's so awesome is that he uses a guy like Moses. Moses had killed someone. He had a speech impediment. He would not be the one that we'd say, oh yeah, that's, that, that's a leader. Paul, he was a guy that murdered Christians. David was a guy that committed adultery. He slept with this, this, this woman and was one of his like main guys, wives. Slept with her, got her pregnant. Decides, hey, I don't really want to deal with this as far as like, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to cover this up. So he basically, through, through this whole deal, this, this wife or the, this lady's husband, he ends up putting on the front line so he ends up getting killed. So we see God use a guy who was an adulterer and a murderer. None of these guys or women in the Bible had it all together. So I want you to know you may have a past. You may have stuff that you're not proud of. But no way do I want you to say, I can't be a leader because I'm, I'm just too messed up. God can use you today, I promise. I promise he can use you today. You know, you are a leader. You have influence. So what stands in the way? What stands in the way? So Moses, this one guy that we're talking about, um, basically he had killed this guy. So he's kind of like out and he, he, he kind of like ran away. He, he ends up getting a family. He's working for his father-in-law. He's got a really comfortable life. Everything's going pretty good. And all of a sudden he sees this burning bush and God is talking to Moses through this burning bush and he calls him to leadership. And God calls him and he basically says, hey, those Israelites in Egypt, over two million people, I want you to lead them. Two million people, to put that in perspective, that's everybody that lives in West Virginia and Washington, D.C. combined. So imagine that. Imagine God comes to you today and says, hey, two million people, I want you to lead them out of slavery into the promised land. You would probably be like, whoa, God, hey, hold up. Pump the brakes here. Do you know who you're talking to? And so, so Moses, what, what he does is, is he basically tells God, hey, listen, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not the guy to bring two million people out of, out of Egypt. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So God shifts the focus. He says, stop focusing on the things, on the struggles that you have. Stop focusing on your own insecurities and look to me. Because we serve a great God. And he says, I don't want you to look at yourself like you see you. I want you to see yourself like I see you. You know, and he's saying that to some of you today. Some of you have been so hard on yourselves. You think, man, God can't use me. There's no way. I promise you, God can use each and every one of you in an amazing way. And so, so Moses gives four reasons why God should not use him. The very first one was, who am I? Who am I? Which, which was his insecurity. Who am I? 
Now, this wasn't like a humble brag. This wasn't Moses being like, God, who am I that you would pick me? Like, come on, like why? You know, he, he legitimately did not believe in himself. He legitimately had this insecurity to think, God, who am I? No, there's no way. You, you've got the wrong guy. You know, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes with, with leadership, we think, I don't, I don't want to lead because I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm, I'm too insecure. You know, do you ever go a day where you're like going through the day and you think like, man, this day is going pretty good. And then all of a sudden it hits you and you're like, I did not put on deodorant this morning. <laughs> Does anybody ever do that? Yeah, me neither. I, I always remember. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, every once in a while I'll have those days where I'm like going through the day and I'm like, this day is going great. And then all of a sudden it like hits me and I'm like, I didn't put on deodorant. And then all of a sudden my entire day is like based around this. It's like, I don't want to get too close to people. I want to keep my arms like in and confined and just like, hey, yeah, going good. Good to see you. You know, you try to keep a distance from people because you think if they get too close to me, they are going to find out very easily that I did not wear deodorant. Um, When it comes to leadership, a lot of us have these insecurities in our lives and these flaws and these things that we are so insecure about. And so when it comes to leadership, we don't want to step into anything. We don't want God to use us in an incredible way because we think then I'll have to get closer to people. People will have to look to me and I've got all these insecurities and I do not want that. I don't want that. You know, Ephesians, um, well, it, it, it's a letter that Paul wrote and the interesting thing is that the first three chapters before Paul talks about what you should do, Paul talks to these Ephesians about who they are, about who they are. I find that really interesting because what Paul is saying is you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to find that that solid foundation in Jesus. And then you can realize, okay, God can truly use me. Find him as your source. Know who you are. So he says, who am I? The second thing is, what if they? And that is fear. That is fear. Some of y'all, God's best is blocked in your life because you're so worried about what others think. And you created this prison for yourself of what do other people think? Do other people think I'm cool? Well, other people, what will they say? And it's it's this, this prison. What the book of Proverbs says is fear of man will prove to be a snare. Will prove to be a snare. The third thing is I have never I have never, which is inadequacy. Moses was thinking, man, I'm, I'm inadequate. I do not, I, I can't do this. I've never done this. There's no way I could lead. Um, I just started refing for the local basketball league. And uh, I did all the trainings and, and, and read up a lot. And uh, I thought like, man, I'm going to be pretty good at this. And then um, I started, the, I, I know one of the guys that's pretty influential in the league, so I was like, hey, can I just kind of like meet with you, kind of talk about some things, get me kind of ready for the first week? It's like, yeah, absolutely. So we show up to this practice, and it's this girls' practice. And um, they're like, hey, we're actually doing a scrimmage at the end of this practice. Like, do you guys want to ref it? And he's like, absolutely. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. I was thinking like, it can't be that bad. And so like I've got the whistle, and I'm like ready, and they do like, tip off. The second that ball went up, my brain just like scattered. And I was just like, what in the world am I doing? And the ball goes up and like they're running this way and I'm like running this way. I'm like, like running all around and like I have no clue what I'm doing. And I, w- I was like so nervous and scared and scatterbrained. And then, uh, and then the first 
Saturday, I get scheduled, and it's first grade boys basketball, okay? So I'm supposed to ref this. And uh, I don't really, really, like, I've read the rule book, and it's like, okay, a travel is if you take more than two steps with the ball. And so, like, the game kind of starts, this kid like, goes on a fast break, and he travels. Like, he, like, has the ball, and I'm like, we got to travel. And everybody, like, there's a groan, like, throughout the entire stance, like, oh, and then, and then, yeah, one of these guys. And then, and then basically, like, one of the guys in the league, like, during when the timeouts came up, like, hey, you guys are doing great. Hey, the travels, um, we don't really call those at this level. It's first grade. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And I felt so scatterbrained. I literally, like, I had four games. At game three, I'm not even joking. I literally prayed to God. I was like, God, please clear my brain. I feel so inadequate right now. This is first grade boys basketball, and I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I felt like I would forget, like, who made the foul, like, all this stuff. And and I felt so inadequate, and I literally had to pray to God and say, God, please, please help me out. Like, I need your strength. And the thing about when we feel inadequate is, is God is saying, listen, if you feel like you have it all together, that's probably when you're in dangerous territory. But if you know, hey, I can't do this on my own, he's saying, you're right. You're right. The only way you can do this is, is, is through God. And so when we feel inadequate, that sets us up perfectly because when you are in that, where you feel like you're in deep waters, it's awesome because you have to have that dependence on God in order for him to do anything in your life. You have to have that dependency where where God says, hey, listen, you may not know exactly what you're doing right now, but we're going to learn on the way. We're going to get you started and you're going to learn some things, but you're not going to feel like you have it all together at the beginning. Inadequacy. The fourth thing that Moses says, this is his last, he's like, this is the last thing I'm going to throw out God, okay? He says, hey, use someone else. I've given you these these things. You've kind of come back with with different ways. Use someone else. He was reluctant. He had a speech impediment. He was saying, listen, I cannot be a leader. I cannot speak in an effective way. He was reluctant. You know, the thing is that your life will never make sense until you are doing something that truly makes a difference. And some of you are so reluctant and you think, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to truly get into what it means to make a difference. I don't. I want to live my comfortable life. I want to make some good money. And that's all I want to do. But I want to encourage you, like, jump in. Just get started. And see what God could do in your life. Some of you are like, man, I can't, I don't really want to do growth track. Listen, this is your first step. You can get half of it done today. And then we can get you plugged into a dream team where you start to see how God is making a difference in your life and the lives of others. There is a call that God has on your life. There's a call on your life and Satan wants to keep you from it. God has a plan for your life. He has ordained the steps of your life. He has made you to make a difference. Some of you have a relationship with God, but what Satan wants to do is he says, okay, if they've given their lives to God, I I can't take that from them, but what I can do is make them ineffective. I can make them reluctant. I want to encourage you to push against that today. To decide, okay, today 
I am going to take the first step in order to start making a difference in my life. So what we're going to do is, these are the things that stand in our way. What we're going to do now is look at the qualities of a leader. If you were to say, I'm going to grasp and hang on to these four things, then I know that God can use you in an amazing way. So Daniel 6, 3, this is what it says. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So it says Daniel, he's in a foreign land, he's with the Babylonians, and Daniel leads himself in a way that distinguished himself where you could see a difference between him and the other guy, all right? And his exceptional qualities, the way he decided to live his life, proved that, that he lived his life in a way that was different than everybody else. So what if you were like Daniel? What if you could have these exceptional qualities in your life to where you are distinguished among all your coworkers, among all your friends? He stood out. So how do we stand out? Here, here are the qualities. And here's the thing, before I get into these, all of these are free. They don't cost you anything. Anybody can do these. No matter how skilled you may feel like, no matter where you are financially, no matter what your past is, anybody in this room can pick these four things up and say, I'm going to be a leader today. So I want to encourage you to, to, to decide today, okay, I'm going to take these steps. The number one thing is we love God. We love God. Sometimes the temptation is you get on a team here at the church or you get serving in some sort of capacity and you just get doing things. You're just doing things. And you lose that passionate love with God. I want to be honest with you guys right now. This is something that I really struggle with sometimes. I think, man, I got to do, I, I got to do good work. I got to do all these things. And I think, God, you know, I'd love to spend time with you, but I don't really have time. I'm doing all this work at the church. And it's like, it, it just hits you like, man, well, I've lost the whole reason why I would do these things. Some of you have been working so hard, doing so many things, parenting, working, serving here at the church, being in a small group, doing all these different things, but you have lost that, that first love. So I want to encourage you that ministry should always be an overflow of your relationship with God. The greatest gift that you can give this church and give this world is not the skills that you have. Those are great. Those are awesome. But the greatest gift that you can give this church and give this world is a relationship with God that is attractive, that is magnetic. You ever meet someone that like the second you meet them, you're like, man, oh man, you're like, Man, there's something about them that is so different. I want to be around them more. I firmly believe that the most magnetic thing that you can do in your life is to have a vibrant relationship with God. You know, if you get on a serving team here, lives are not going to be changed simply because you handed them a program or because you set up the seats or because you helped them with parking. The way lives are going to be changed is if you have spent time with God and that time with God is overflowing in your life to other people, to when you hand out that program, 
They get the program, the job is done, but there's something so much more behind it where they think, man, they actually, man, they have a love. They have a, something that is just drawing me closer to them. You know, your relationship with God is so important. It makes it more than just a task. You know, something that's really interesting is, is the, the culture that's at Disney World. Who here has been to Disney World before? Anybody? I've never been to Disney World, and I want to go so bad. Um, and I guess, like, we don't have any kids, so it's like, it would be a little bit creepy if I just went as, like, a mid-20s guy with, like, a beard, just like, yeah, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> this place is awesome. No, the, uh, so, like, Disney World, what's so amazing about it is that their culture, everybody that works for them, they call them a cast member. So they all, every single person at Disney, no matter where they're working at Disney World, uh, is called a cast member. And the reason they do that is because they fall in love with something so much bigger than just the job that they're doing. And like, so you take like one aspect, like the mascots. The mascots at, at Disney, is they don't think of themselves as just like, oh, I'm a mascot, I need to get my job done. Like they have these levels of, of excellence in their lives, like of the things that they do. Like there, there was a thing that went online where... Um, the Toy Story characters, it used to be where you went up and if you said Andy's coming, like in the movie, they'd literally fall and act like they're like toys. That's amazing. How cool is that? But it went online and like everybody started doing it. And it was like a, it was like a safety hazard. Like everybody, like a thousand people a day were like, hey, Andy's coming. So they had to stop doing it. But they, they thought through, okay, I love Disney. Okay. And, and I want to have a level of excellence in the things that I do. And so their job was not just a task. It was like they had fallen in love with something bigger. They'd fallen in love with, with, with something that was so much greater than them. And so because of that, they served in a way that was, that was so much more than just simply being a mascot. You know, in, in your life, if you are to fall in love with something bigger, which is the mission that Jesus has for you, man, you will serve in a way that is so much greater. You, it won't just be a task to you anymore. You will come to serve on Sundays and you will have something about you where you're like, man, I want to share this love with everyone I can. Acts 4.13, this is when Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin. And it says this, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, now, the Greek word for this is idiotes. I'm not even joking. It's where we get the word idiot, okay? And they literally were like, hey, these unschooled ordinary men, these idiots. And, and it says, when they saw the courage of these, these just ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So you see, they didn't look at Peter and John and say, man, those guys are smart. Those guys have got it together. No, they said, those guys are so ordinary, yet they have a courage that is so much greater. And the reason being is because they had been with Jesus. Today, God can use you. You may feel like you are unschooled, like you are ordinary. But if you spend time with Jesus, that will bring about something in your life that is so much greater. So how do we do this? One is we develop our closeness with God. Develop our closeness with God. Work on truly knowing God. Not knowing about Him. Not doing things for Him. Truly knowing Him. Like a husband 
would know a wife, like a best friend would know another best friend. Truly knowing him. I want to ask you, do you know God? An intimate knowing of him. Second is to develop your character. Ask God, hey God, what parts of my life are not like you? If you have pride in your life and you think you have it all together, this will cap your leadership potential because you'll always be hitting into those things that you need to improve in your life and you make excuses. Truly develop your character. Say, God, what parts of my life are not like you? The third thing is to develop your calling. God has a call for your life and it's different than my calling. There are skills that God has given you, spiritual gifts he has given you. Develop those things. Work on them. You know, for me, like, I, I truly enjoy communicating. And so there's a lot of things I'll watch. I'll watch messages. I'll watch TED Talks. I'll even watch stand-up comedy. And I'll see, how are these people getting their message across? How? And I try to develop what I do. Some of you, you say, man, I could not, I don't ever want to get in front of people. But you are amazing with kids. Like, you can make a kid's day. I want to encourage you, get in Destiny Kids and start serving and, and develop it. Like, think, how can I get better at this? Some of you have an amazing voice, or, or you're so good at playing a certain instrument, and when you play, it literally just, it seems like you're putting people at the feet of Jesus. Develop it. Some of you are great at making people feel welcome. Develop those things. Develop your calling. Um, you know, so our relationship with Jesus is of utmost importance uh, the second thing is that we love people. We love people. God's mission for you is people. You know, be intentional with the words that you use. Uh, I help over at Loudoun County with the, uh, with the football team. And I remember there was one guy that he, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, and I remember seeing, like, he was kind of frustrated. And so I went up to him one time, and, I, and he was working hard, and I just told him, man, I see that you're working hard. I see that. Keep working hard. Don't let your playing time determine how hard you're working. It, it'll come. And I just said that. And I didn't think he was going to like, usually I'll say something and the guy's like, yeah, whatever. And so like, he actually was like, oh, okay, cool. And then um, throughout the season, he ended up getting some more playing time. And he was like, man, when you said that to me, it really meant a lot to me. And then I, re- I recently saw him working at one of the local stores here in Leesburg. So I, I went up and said hey to him. And he's like, hey, y- you're, you were really good at, at what you did and what you said to me really impacted me. I remember being like, like choking up, like in the middle of the store, like, all right, thanks, man. All right, see ya. Um, and, uh, but I, I realized like, man, the words that we say are so important. Like here I'd said something to him kind of in passing and, and it like affected his life. And then here he said something to me. He could have just said, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. But he actually took time out of his day to say something to me. And it like, it made my day. And when you go to work, when you go to school, when you see your friends, you have opportunities to be daymakers. You can make someone's day with the words that you use, with the intentionality that you have. You know, we can act in a way that you can either be a daymaker or a haymaker, okay? A daymaker is like you make the person's day. A haymaker is a certain punch where you knock someone out, okay? So you can either live in a way to where people, literally your encounters with people make their day and it adds value to them, or you can act in a way to where it just knocks them out and they have a worse day because they're around you. Focus on loving people in a way that makes their day. 
You know, some of this, it comes natural. You're naturally people, pers- pe- you're people, people. You'll walk into a room, you'll see someone crying. You go up, you ask the perfect questions and it's just naturally, you're a people person. But some people, you'll walk in a room and there could be someone like bawling their eyes out in the corner. And you're like, that row of chairs is very off and I need, to, I need to fix that right away. Like you don't naturally like draw to hurting people. But I want to encourage you, all of you can work on this. All of you can work on this. Um, you know, you have to find a good balance because, you know, sometimes what we do is, is there are some people that you don't naturally want to talk to people. You don't naturally want to have those conversations with people. And you would just be good with not talking to anybody, just going home, going to your house, just not seeing anybody. And I want to encourage you, like, work on asking people questions, having conversations with them. But some of you guys are in here and you're like, man, I'm an amazing per- people person. I'm so good. Like, I can talk to pers- a person for hours and hours and hours. And I want to tell you, like, you also need some balance. Like, focus on <laughs> those people. Literally, I was, I was reading the Bible the other day. And I, Proverbs 25, 17. This literally says this in the Bible. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. That's in the Bible, guys. So it's like you need to focus on, and and the whole thing is focus on the other person. Focus on the other person. Because some of you might be on the end where you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Focus on them and think, is there something that I could talk to them about? Or you might be on the other side where you just talk and talk and talk and talk. And that person may want to just get out of that, know how to land the plane, you know? Like know how to have a conversation with someone. And by the time they leave, they feel like, man, that was refreshing. I feel like... I feel like I have life now, you know? So think of acting in a way like that. Jesus said in Mark 10, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the greatest must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. We want to have a life-giving culture here. So the things here are be a servant, be a team player, which is we over me, it's not about you, and to be real, be honest, and be genuine. Um, The third thing is we pursue excellence. We pursue excellence. In Mark 7, they're talking about Jesus. It says, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. Even Jesus, he had a level of excellence in his own life. Sometimes we think that we can just cut corners and we don't have to do things very well. You know, unfortunately in the Christian culture, a lot of things that that are created, they're just simply, they're not that excellent. Because I think sometimes people think they can cut corners and they can think, well, this is a Christian thing, so it doesn't need to be as good. No, it needs to be the opposite. It needs to be better than everything else because we have the creator of everything in, uh, uh, of this entire universe. And so we should have a creativity about ourselves that is above and beyond, a level of excellence that is above and beyond. And we're not talking about perfection, but we're talking about excellence. You know, it's like Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. They have really good food, but like the thing that puts them above and beyond is the excellence. There is a huge difference between if you go into Chick-fil-A and if you go to any other fast food restaurant. They have a level of excellence about themselves. There's a huge difference. Um, you know, so if we want to have a level of excellence in the way that we serve, the first thing is to do things well. Do things well. And some of you need to do fewer things well. 
What, what Chris Hodges says is be a Ruth's Chris. Don't be a golden corral, okay? You've got so much stuff going on. You have no ability to be excellent at anything. Some of you guys need to clear your plate a little bit and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on these things and I'm going to be amazing at these things. I'm going to be excellent at these things. Um, do things well. Uh, the second thing is do them before you're asked. That's initiative. Don't wait to be asked. One of the things that I love about some of our teams here is that like, we have leaders of these teams and, and they'll literally think through, how can I make this experience better? How can I do this better? They don't just wait for a task, task list. They think, how can I be better in the things that I do? And the third thing is to do more than is expected. Do more than is expected. Take the extra mile. Take ownership of, of the, the areas that you're in. So that's the third thing is to pursue excellence. The very last thing is we choose joy. We choose joy. This is so important. This is probably the one that gets dropped the most. Your attitude is everything. It's everything when you choose to have a good attitude. You have to make a choice each and every day that you are going to have an attitude that reflects Jesus. It's the X factor. It gets you further than anything else in life. If you choose to have a good attitude, but you have to choose it. You have to decide, okay, I'm going to live my life to where things might be hard and difficult, but I'm going to have an attitude where I have hope and I am positive. And when I'm around people, they, they aren't drained. They feel like life has been given to them. Choose joy. You know, Paul in the Bible, he went through so much. He went through so much, but he had an amazing attitude. It says, he wrote in 2 Corinthians, we're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. So some of you in here today, man, you've been through some difficult things, some hard things. Financially, it's a struggle. You've had some trials in your life that have been really, really difficult. But I can tell you today that with your attitude, you can have nothing, yet possess everything. Choose to have that attitude. You know, Paul was a perfect example of this because in, in, in the Bible, what happened with Paul is every single thing that, that happened to him, he chose joy. So they said, hey, Paul, you need to knock this off or we're going we're gonna to throw you in jail if you, stop, if, if you keep preaching about Jesus. And Paul had the attitude of, man, that would be great. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple letters I've got to finish writing, you know. There's a jailer that's like really close to being saved. Can you throw, that would be awesome. Yeah, please, put me back in jail. And they're like, well, we're, okay, well, we're going to kill you. We'll kill you. He's like, man, that'd be great. That'd be awesome live as Christ and to die as gain. If I get killed, I, go, I get to be with Jesus. Man, that'd be awesome. And he had this attitude where he's like, okay, even though there's a lot of these things in life that aren't typical and aren't, aren't the easiest, I'm going to choose to have an attitude that reflects Jesus. You know, we as Christians, we can allow stuff to bounce off of us, okay? There are some hard things, but there are some little things that don't matter in the scheme of eternity. And God wants you to truly be able to grieve about the things that, that are really hard. But then there are some things where you just have to let it bounce off of you. 
little things that, that we get so worked up about. You know, we get so frustrated and God wants you to, to have a joy that transcends circumstances because he is the creator of joy. He can give you that attitude today. So the three things are, one is to be enjoyable. Be enjoyable. I want every single one of you to take responsibility for the atmosphere in a room. Too many times what we do is we walk into a room and, and we realize, man, this isn't a great atmosphere. No one's really talking. And we go in and we think, who's going to come talk to me? Who's going to come make my day? Who's going to make this better? What Jesus wants you to do is to walk into a room and to take responsibility for the atmosphere. So you decide, who can I bless today? Who can I go and talk to? Who can I go and ask them a question about how their life is truly going? Who can I go and compliment? And you decide, I'm going to make these people's day. Instead of sitting and just waiting for someone to come to you and having a terrible attitude and think, man, it's terrible. Nobody here is friendly. You take responsibility for the atmosphere in a room. I want you to picture Jesus walking into a room. Do you think he would sit back and think, who's going to come talk to me? Who's going to make my day? Who's going to make this better for me? No, he went and he blessed people. Take responsibility for the atmosphere in a room. Be a fun person. Um, the second thing is to be positive. Be positive. We need to act and think with the hope of Christ. So if you're on a serving team and something gets difficult or, or you see something that, that isn't quite what it needs to be, bring solutions. Be positive. Have hope about it. Don't just complain, but, th- but say, hey, I think we can do this a lot better in this way. Be positive. Last thing is to be loyal. Be loyal. So have a good attitude with the other leaders in your life. Be loyal to them. So hopefully today, I I hope this brought you hope where you thought I may not be in a place in my life where everything's going great, but I can be a leader. There was a a celebrity who recently passed away. His name was David Cassidy. And he actually, he was on the Partridge family. He was extremely popular. He recently passed away. And his, um, his daughter, I read this the other day. His daughter said that his last words, his last words were, so much wasted time. So much wasted time. Got to the end of his life. That's the only thing he could think to say. So much wasted time. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and to think, man, so much wasted time. I want you to decide today, I'm going to make a difference in my life. I'm going to allow God to do something through me that makes me feel like I'm making a difference. I'm going to start using my time in a way that's effective. No matter what age you are, you can start today. You can start today. Get plugged in here at the church. Find ways that, find a need and fill it. Find ways that you can make a difference in your life. I don't want you to get to the end of your life to think about all the wasted time, I want you to look back and to think, man, God really did a lot. God did so much. Here's a parable where it says Jesus, uh, at the very end, he says that, that the master looked at the servant and said, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to work for that. Live in a way to where you get that well done, good and faithful servant at the end of your life.
you can make a difference in your life. The very last thing is that some of you in here, you want to make a difference in your life, but the very first thing, knowing God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You may know about him. You may even believe in him. But to truly know him is a huge, it's, a, it's, a, it's way different. God wants to have a relationship with you to where you truly know him like a best friend, like a spouse. If you don't have that in your life, I want you to know that God is offering that to you today. He gave his son Jesus and he made it to where you can have a relationship with him today. If that's you, when I pray, I simply want you to pray to God, talk to him and say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. Our sin separates us from God, but because Jesus came down and gave his life, you can have a relationship with him. If that's you, I want you to pray and tell God, God, I'm giving my life to you. Some of you, you, you had that relationship, but you kind of walked away from it. You want to come back. I want you to talk to God and say, God, I'm coming back. Wherever you are in your life, God can use you to make a difference. But it all starts with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with him.